Welcome to the program. Still no answers today for the family of Ajaz Chaudhry. Still no answers for the family of DeAndre Campbell. No answers for the family of Regis Korchinski Paquette. The momentum for change is growing in this province and in this city. The chorus is getting louder by the day, and our leaders can no longer ignore it. They can no longer hide behind white papers and reports, things that sit on shelves that are never acted upon. Today, a group of more than 50 doctors published a letter sent it to City Hall, Toronto City Hall. They describe policing as a public health crisis, and these doctors... These doctors are calling for the police service to be defunded with the hopes that the money will go towards something in the community, some kind of better response with better outcomes. You know that city councillors, two city councillors, have put forward a motion to cut the Toronto police budget by 10%. And today, the mayor, John Tory, put forward a motion himself calling for changes to policing in Toronto, and the mayor joins me on the line. Welcome, Mr. Mayor. Hi, Alan. Your motion does not call for the defunding of police. What is your aversion to that term? Well, I don't use uh, that word because uh, I think it's become a polarizing word and mis- you know, people have different understandings of what it means. But the very first recommendation, for example, that says that our city manager, so not the police itself, but the city manager, develop alternative models of community safety response that would, for example, include a, a, pl- a possible non-police response to people in crisis and things like that. And then the fourth part of the recommendation says detail the likely reductions to the Toronto Police Services budget that would result from these changes. So. What we've done is gone about this in the way that I think is the best way to make these decisions, which isn't to have it become about a number, but instead to have it become about changes you're determined to make, such as saying that in each of those cases you mentioned, we cannot say a system is working where people in crisis call for help and end up dead. The system can't possibly be working. Whatever the reason is why it's not working, it's not working. I myself favor having mental health professionals or some variation on our mobile crisis intervention team, of which we have very few at the police service now, be what responds to the vast majority of those mental health calls, of which the police deal with 32,000 a year, 32,000 calls. So you will find that if you do that, you can take that responsibility away. Michael Thompson today called it detasking the police. And with that, we'll go some money that otherwise would be paying police officers to do all the things we ask them to do when in the middle of the night there is no one else to call and you will be able to invest better in mental health or better in uh you know the 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 need the social needs of people in neighborhoods across the city so uh, you're going to end up in a better place i think with a better process uh if you do it the way that this motion contemplates and it's a motion by the way that was put together by shelly carroll michael thompson and me and with consultation with a large number of counselors so we're trying to draw a consensus here that i think will put us in a stronger position to reform. Why not just simply say that there will be a reduction in the police budget and that money will go to these other teams? Why couch it in this likely, there may likely be a reduction? Okay, so Alan, if I put that back to you and said the motion that's on the floor says 10%. I I have no idea, by the way, where that number came from. I'm not even sure the people who put it forward have an idea where it came from because there's another number floating around from Black Lives Matter that's 50%. There's other people who name 5%. So if we just took the number that's in the motion and I said to you, well, okay, if we had, knowing that the police budget is 90% wages, that's what it is, if I said we're going to cut 10%, which is $110 million, where would you start? 
Well, I haven't seen the line by line on the police well, no, budget, and the reason and the reason is is that we don't have oversight for it. And I do take the point that in your motion you ask for uh, more transparency on the line by line. Isn't that part of the problem? Is that there's no accountability for it? Well, yes, but if I was to tell you as I did that that one line that you can I can tell you about because it's right there and it is one that has been made public that 90 percent of the entire budget of 1.1 billion dollars is wages of the police officers and some civilians and the rest the other 10 percent is gas for the cars and the cost of the cars and the cost of the you know radios and all that but 90 percent of it is wages so uh, you know you put the question if you're going to pick a number like that then you also then start to say well all right are you going to do away with community policing which we just started to do where we put officers doing the old-fashioned thing of walking the beat and getting to know people and restoring trust in the police do you take that away or do you take away photo radar which we just you know put in uh, are you going to take away uh, body-worn cameras which we're just about to put in are you going to take away you know, I mean I could go down a list I just don't believe you make decisions that way we will produce the money through different kinds of savings and and detasking of the police through the process that's outlined in this motion to Day, and those savings can be then invested in neighborhoods and in, uh, you know, dealing better with people in crisis and so on. But I think the proper way to do it is identify the changes you're going to make first, see what the financial implications of those are with the clear contemplation in this motion that they will be a positive financial uh, consequences. In other words, money that will be then available to invest elsewhere, as opposed to naming a number that becomes the center of a polarized debate, which will weaken our position to bring about change, I think. I, I, I take your point on, the, on identifying the number and being too focused on 10% or whatever percentage it is. But the fact of the matter is, is you're talking about establishing some kind of other response team, and that's going to require money. Yeah. And then you're, but you're, you're not, you're not saying, well, you know, yeah, you're looking at uh, this percentage that is wages for the Toronto Police, and the city is looking at a massive shortfall because of COVID-19. So now we're in a situation where you're making a promise, and we don't necessarily have the money to be able to carry through on it. No, what I'm saying to you though is, I'm very confident that we will make the change to put something in place. For example, like having a special unit of a mobile crisis. Intervention teams that are mental health professionals to deal with those calls, and then when you look to the police and say, "Well, you're now making thirty thousand. Let's pick a number: thirty thousand less calls. You'll still have two thousand left that involve a weapon or something where you need a police officer, but the other thirty thousand are now going to be done by other people, and we're going to adjust your budget accordingly." You know, we're going to adjust your budget accordingly, which is to say you're making 30,000 less calls, which is a significant number. And so that's why I'm confident that out of all this examination of change and different ways of doing things, we have detasked the police, for example, Alan, with a view to doing the same thing. And in fact, on my watch, by the way, the size of the police service has reduced over the time I've been mayor. The average budget increase each year has been 1.8% below the rate of inflation in the fastest growing city in North America. But as you continue to detask and when you take mental health, for example, and put it elsewhere. Yes, there will be a cost to that, but that money will come out of the police budget because they won't need to have that money anymore because they're not making those calls. You, you noticed, uh, or you mentioned in your press conference today, um, it, the political reality of all of this is that regardless of the motion that you put forward, the ball is in the provincial court. And I will read to you the response that I got from a spokesperson in the Solicitor General's uh, in, so, uh, in Sylvia Jones' ministry today that says, pretty much nothing other than, quote, we will take the time to carefully review the request directed to the province should this motion pass at Toronto City Council. Do you have any confidence that the provincial government will follow through on anything that you pass at council? 
Yes, I do, because I think we've actually developed a reasonable relationship with them, number one. Uh, but I think even more importantly, I think the merit of some of these recommendations we're making for changes to their laws, including, for example, uh, a greater transparency with respect to the budgeting process. And it, right now, under the law, we couldn't send our Auditor General in to examine the police budget, although she's in a position to examine every other area of the city budget. But the biggest single expenditure on police, she can't, under the current laws, examine. And so I think that kind of of a change makes such common sense, uh, you know, for her to be able to go and look for areas where we can achieve greater efficiency in spending a billion dollars of the taxpayers' money, that they will agree to that. And I think there are other changes they will agree to as well. But look, let's get the motion, a motion passed first, and this one will have some changes, you know, as it goes through council next week. Um, and then I think we can go and talk to them. And I think, well, this premier is very supportive of the police, as am I. I mean, look, our police officers work hard. The vast majority of them are good people who wouldn't think of engaging in a racist act. Uh, they have incredibly complex responsibilities to do. I mean, the fact is they know they're not the best people to show up at three o'clock in the morning on a, on a call for a person having a mental health crisis. But they also know actually right now under the provincial mental health system, there is no one else to show up. So I think that, you know, I think that a lot of these changes that are uh, suggested here that involve the province are very reasonable changes that uh, make sense and that uh, are going to be in the best interest of a safe community, but also in the best interest of a community that cares for people and that uh, starts to address some of these anti-black racism, anti-indigenous racism issues that do exist out there. No question about it. I'm speaking with Toronto Mayor John Tory and Mr. Mayor, a final question for you. I began the program with the list of names of families who are still waiting and have no answers. All three of those cases are in the hands of the SIU. There is silence because of provincial mandates that says the SIU can't say anything. You have called for reform for the SIU. What do you want the province to do with that civilian agency? Two things principally, Alan. Number one, fund it properly so it doesn't take them, you know, six months a year to do these investigations because oftentimes, as in the case of all three you mentioned, they're very sensitive uh, investigations and their families that are waiting, but so is the community waiting to have some answers on that. And in the meantime, there's all kinds of speculation that goes on, as you know, and rumors and reports. So I think they need to resource it better. And secondly, I think they need to mandate that SAU instead of saying we're going to remain silent and never tell anybody anything, they should be, as the police do, go out and give at least reasonably frequent updates on what's going on with their investigation so people know. Because you see, I think when people see the silence, they think it is part of a conspiracy to sweep these things under the carpet. And it isn't. This body, I mean, the police would tell you they are very independent. The police are very wary of them, and I think that's a good thing. But, you know, when you don't hear anything from them, the public or the police or anybody don't hear anything, then you're inclined to think, well, what's going on? You know, is somebody covering this up? And they, they just have an obligation to communicate in a more transparent way because policing has, and police communications have changed. And, and the public's expectations have changed. And I think that's the two things principally they need to do, resource it properly so they can get on with these investigations faster. And secondly, uh, have them have a different communications approach so that they actually report to the public regularly. John Tory, the mayor of Toronto. Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for your Thanks, time. John. I appreciate it. Talk to you. Thanks again. Bye-bye. So John Tory there with his proposal for how to change policing in Toronto. And you heard me read the response from the province, which is pass it and we'll get back to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe. When we come back, we're going to talk further about this motion and whether or not it will have the intended results. Do you think that it will actually improve results for the people of Toronto who are saying, we need reform, we need a change in the way that the police operate and the way that the police are funded.